SequelCast 2 is part of the Batman Podcast Network. For more information, go to batman-on-film.com. Everyone here like Ready Player One? Okay. All right. What about, uh, do you like, how many here have read the book? Okay, a lot of you. And uh, how many of you have seen the movie? How many of you have never seen Ready Player One as a book or a movie? This year? Okay. Good, because we're going to spoil That's fine. Oh, okay. So we're going to have spoilers, but. You've come to the right place. That's all right. Um, so thanks for. Uh, Coming, this is uh, SequelCast 2 presents Ready Player One Top 10 Hidden References from the Movie. I'm uh, Matt Bradley Shergy. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, Shane Christopher Francis. Sean Christopher Francis. Tony Vincent. I'm Eric Winter. And uh, we picked this movie special because uh, this is Tony's favorite movie. Yep. <laughs> And Ready Player One is really uh, a movie that's quite interesting because I see it as sort of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but for video games. You have so many different references happening all over the place that watching it at home, you can really sort of freeze frame to catch the references. So here, um, you know, both Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Ready Player One are based on books. So on the... uh, Left there, you see the books, and on the right, you see some of the movie posters. And I just want to sort of talk, before we get into our top ten list about the references, why don't we go around and discuss uh, what we thought of the first time seeing the movie Ready Player One. It's kind of a general idea. Am I first, then? Uh, sure, yeah. You're fine. Fine. Yeah, sure. You I, uh, I don't like this movie very much. Uh, you don't? I was, so I apologize if uh, this turns into a hate fest. If you did like the movie, it's fine to like a movie. Uh, I was uh, I was really taken aback that they felt the need to explain what leveling up was or loot or Easter eggs or any of those things and I'm like yeah it's 2018 we, we've all played video games all of us like everybody in this room has done that and knows what that means and it's not 1991 anymore where it's where it's that so it felt really condescending most of the time uh, or it, it, like it didn't re- like it, it was like hey do you get it do you get it it's a video game you got it right and yeah, so it, it bugged me most of the time. It does look nice, and uh, I like Ty Sheridan. I like Steven Spielberg. Uh, I like Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, so there's a lot of people I like in it, but yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, me thinking about it, I think there's, there's some things I like about it. I like it has um, good action, good effects. The plot is, like, quite different from the book, actually. Oh. Uh, Eric, you read the book recently? Yeah, well, I read the book, and then I reread it. Yeah. I can't read the panel, just so because it's been years since I read it. Do you have some thoughts on that, how they're, how they're different? Well, I went through and read a bunch. I mean, obviously the biggest parts, um, of course, they kind of slimmed down the race for the keys, um, uh, the activities in, in order to actually earn them, the challenges, um, some differences in the characters. Um, yeah, it was really just slimmed down to fit that two-hour kind of 
Frank. We, we also mentioned that um, some of the main characters in the book are of a larger size, let's say, than in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Wade uh, is definitely, uh, uh, his screen portrayal is a lot different than Wade's described in the book. <laughs> so, it's always interesting. Rubenesque. Rubenesque, that's a good word. That's a good word. Um, so, uh, Tony, what do you think about Ready Player One? Why? Well, I never read the books. I didn't really have any feelings going into the movie. Yeah. It's fine. It's, I mean, Steven Spielberg did his best, I think, considering he had to condense it all down. Um, it's pretty to look at. I can't really comment on how it differs from the book at all, but I think the, the plot of the movie is kind of shallow and boring, but I, it may have worked better for the miniseries. <laughs> I, mean, I, I could see that, yeah, I mean, because the, the book has a lot going on, and I mean, you have a movie that's two hours, you have to do so much setup of the world that then it feels like they're cramming in too much, and that one of the places they go to is based on The Shining, which is an R-rated movie, and then yeah. you're displaying it in a PG-13 movie. Um, seem, that seems like a little bit of a strange choice there. But on the other hand, it looks a lot like the Shining Stanley Kubrick yeah. film. My, my thoughts on it are kind of the same across the board. I don't think it fit the format for a film. I think it rushed way too much. I think it would have done better as like a limited series, something done on streaming service. You know, nothing super huge with like two or three seasons, but you know, I think maybe a, a six or an eight hour, you know. Yeah, you could say that. It had more time. Would have been a lot better. But the budget for it would have been huge. It would have been probably three times what it was for the movie yeah. in terms of the visuals and, and being able to. To put in all those references. Sorry. Well, I think before we move on, we uh, we have some prizes to give away. Let's give away a prize. So um, let's see. Let's uh, do a, a trivia question. So don't shout out the answer. Just raise your hand. And um, let's see, Eric, if you could pick out the person. So, so the question is: is fill in the blank. Ready, player, blank. Really. Yeah, one, that's right. Hey. So come up here and get your prize. You're going to get, isn't that, isn't that a good, well, more better trivia coming on, I hope. Um, this is a novelization, Five Night at Freddy's, The Silver Eyes. So the first of the trilogy, you're welcome. Enjoy. Um, I've, I've played Five Night at Freddy's briefly. I'm a bit surprised it wasn't something in the movie. But, um, and now they have like a Banana Splits movie that's sort of the same idea. Well, the production company that did that actually wrote a rough draft of what was supposed to be the first Five Nights at Freddy's live-action movie. It was then turned down, and surprisingly, that script was then turned into the Banana Splits movie. So... The more you know. The band? So here, here is this thing I found fairly annoying, where online for Ready Player One, they did posters that look just like posters from other movies, but they have the characters from Ready Player One as their avatars. So you have like 80s and 90s stuff, like... Uh, there are more than just these. Yeah, there's more than these 10. But um, it, it just really is something you have like... Again, you have some like R-rated stuff on there, which is kind of weird. You have the Lost Boys. Uh, you have um, Iron Giant. So, I mean, some of the stuff they, they have, like, Labyrinth, stuff they don't even make reference to in the movie, really, that they're doing as these kind of parody posters. It, it reflects the movie a lot, you know, of, hey, remember that? And then that's, that's it. It's just, do you remember that? <laughs> like, 
that, that's that, what yeah. it feels well, like a lot of these reference I think that's one of the reasons why we had to do kind of a short, short version for this panel is because there's like 300, 400 plus references mm. without, within the whole film. So, I mean, we, yeah, you can talk all day about everything that's referenced within the film. In fact, I think the movie should have been called, Hey, Remember This? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been good. I did. I remember all of All right, so we're going to start the countdown and uh, see who has two presents. Ready Player One, Top Ten Hidden References. In no discernible. Yeah, no discernible. We just yeah. pick these kind of randomly. So. Number ten. Here you go, number ten. So that is Goro from Mortal Kombat, and that is when um, two of the characters are speaking to each other, and was it Artemis? is inside Goro and reaches an alien thing through Goro's chest. Chest burster. Oh, yeah. So it's a reference inside a reference. Literally. Literally. Yeah, literally. (laughs) In that case. And And it, like, eats upwards. It's kind of a cool moment. It's kind of gross. Yeah, 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 it's pretty gross for PG-13. Up and over. It's one of those scenes that was done real heavy visual effects, just like, you know, the race scene where you're just, you're, like, looking at everything. Right. And here's a question for the audience. I mean, so this is Goro. How many people knew who this character was when they saw the movie? That may be like half. What? Interesting. So, I mean, the movie never says this is Goro. It doesn't say it's from Mortal Kombat, but it is, you know, this, uh, at least in that first Mortal Kombat movie in the 90s, Goro was a big character mm-hmm. who then got um, kicked in the balls by Johnny Cage and thrown off a cliff or something. So, they got the, the punch, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a kick, the super punch. They didn't reference that. No, they, no, they didn't reference that scene in Ready Player One. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Number nine. This one is, forgive us, we cannot see the slides from where we are. Um, this, is the, this is the Batmobile. This is from the, the, the race scene. The copper key race. The, the copper key race, and uh, I think this is one of my favorite sequences in the film. You know, it's cool. kind of like Mario Kart gone wild. You have really. What was that? Oh. It's, it was a laugh. They were laughing. Oh, it was a laughing. Like, they liked Mario Kart gone wild. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, uh, laughter and applause throw me off. I'm not used to that. I'm not used to that in our panels. So thank you. Uh, yeah, but I think the, that you have all the different things. I love the effect when the cars wreck into things and kind of turn into coins, and people can drive by and collect the coins and the cars. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was there during this race, it was a way for them to showcase Parzival not being quite a seasoned player, didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, he's stuck on, you know, Ludo, the planet, the school planet, and he's, he doesn't have access to all of Oasis. And so he's kind of, he's having to earn his way, and then, you know, by coincidence, that's where he finds the, the first key is there. So, but yeah. What do you think in the movie about, like, the wizard, which is, like, the avatar of Halliday, the guy that makes up that, you know, founded it? Yeah, Anorak, what do you think? I mean, I think, I almost thought they should have picked a wizard like Gandalf or some wizard people know, instead of, oh, it's Anorak, it's like, who the heck is he? He's he's named after a a type of coat. I was going to say, that's a jacket. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a water (laughs) It's what Kenny wears on South Park. Hmm. Yeah. I guess next time I'll have to do top ten jacket references. (laughs) I think it served well for his his insular like uh, fandom of like all things Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy. Mm, like yeah. him having a persona within a persona rather than just himself, because he was very selfless. Halliday as a character, 
So yeah. it, it makes sense. I like how animated the Mark Rylance uh, makes the, the wizard versus the super awkward it's true. Uh, yeah. guy in real life. Like it's, it's Mark, Mark Rylance is uh, really good, uh, generally. And uh, so it's, it's nice to see him kind of giving those two sides and uh, you know, how he presents ourselves in games versus uh, the real world. I almost thought when, when Halliday's talking just as his human self, he sounds a bit like Garth in Wayne's World. Yeah, you know, does I think that way too. Kind of mumbling thing. Um, let's uh, go on to the next one. Number eight. Number eight. Number eight. This one is, I apologize for this. <laughs> oh, this is the stickers on this. Thank you. Yeah, Thank right. You. So this is, uh, they meet the characters in the van, and on this guy's VR set up, they have Mortal Kombat and Batman stickers on the side of it. It's something you could make out here. Hopefully you can make it out on that screen, but in the movie it's kind of tough to see. And uh, I think you mentioned, I think, the Artemis character has, has Batman stickers. She has a sticker on her visor as well. So maybe, maybe there's like a Batman uh, fan club or something. There were several Batman references throughout. Yeah. They had different... Batman ba- Batman's climbing the mountain at the beginning when they're... Michael Keaton Batman, they had Batman from the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. They had different avatars, so... Joker from the Arkham games, too. Yep. Right, yeah, we'll see those later on in the list. But before spoilers. We, yep, spoilers. Uh, but before that, let's give away another prize. Uh, I'm going to ask the question, Eric, again, if you could okay. pick someone. So, um, let's see. What is the question? I prepped for this very well. Uh, okay. What about, what about this? What is your favorite video game? Orange. Overwatch. Overwatch. Okay, very good. Come up here. Get the prize. <laughs> Come up. Come up. Get your prize. Yeah. Overwatch. Um, Overwatch is really fun. Tony, you play that a lot, right? You stream. Too much. All right. So um, the prize you get is this novel uh, called King's Quest: The Floating Castle. Have you heard of King's Quest before? King's Quest is a game that's been around for thirty-something years. Uh, so I hope you get something. Yeah, I hope you get something uh, out of this novel. And it's the first book in the series. The first book in a series. Thank you. You're welcome. Also, we're a million years old. <laughs> yeah, just as an aside, yes. you know, to bring out uh, Overwatch, there were a lot of Overwatch Easter eggs. Yeah. That's right, Tracer. Yeah. And some other ones. And then there was a picture of the Overwatch logo in the uh, pavilion with mm. Wayne. After getting the first key, and he has all his coins going through and purchasing cool gear. Yeah. Borderlands is in there too. Why don't you talk about that? That's sort of surprising because Borderlands like is a game with five zillion guns in it, but the way it's in the movie, you barely see it at all. Alright, it's, it's the bottom left corner. There's the little logo. Alright, let's uh, buy those licenses in bulk. You gotta use all of them. <laughs> let's uh, move on to the next one. Number seven. This is Harley Quinn with uh, IROC, and we thought the blue person might be uh, Inabi from Avatar. You can't really tell, though. It's sort of vague. That's what I, I thought that when I saw it, when I was watching I was uh-huh. like, oh, that's, a, that's one of them Avatars. And, uh... <laughs> Seems to have a lot of clothes for an Avatar, yeah, or Navi thing, but I, yeah, I don't really know. But I mean, they could be dressed up because they're at the uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it's interesting that they use Harley Quinn from the Arkham uh, Arkham Asylum games. They use that design, which is a more. They might even use the model from the game. I don't really know, but it looks 
it's not like the one from the animated series, or it's the more realistic rendering. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about the character up there of Irock, who's kind of the assassin? He makes bad jokes. It's a weird, t- weird role for T.J. Miller, who uh, I, I'm never happy to see in movies nowadays. But uh, it's he makes jokes that like, but they aren't T.J. Miller jokes. They aren't like sarcastic. They're just like. I don't know. It's very strange. He's a very strange Such character. standard observation. Yeah. Which comes from the character I rock, not T.J. Miller. Right, right. So, well, it's incongruous to cast him when he's not, they're yeah. not taking advantage of his kind of persona. Yeah. yeah it's definitely meant to be on the character. It's weird to me to get, like, all this awesome stuff and he was hired to, like, Surprising that struck me weird seeing the movie. It's a big, big diversion there, or diversion from where the book, where the book spends more time. He's more integral in outing Wade. Um, So the whole nightclub scene here, even though there is a nightclub, I mentioned part of that in the book, it's kind of shuffled out of place in the book um, instead of going there and talking about the next clue. Because at this point in the book, they're not even hanging out together. The high five mm. are not thing yet. They're all still separate, you know, non-planning members. Um, but uh, uh, Iraq figures out and kind of turns Wade in, and so they needed this scene to kind of throw that uh, next kind of uh, act for the film mm. to kind of continue. So it's, it's really, really weird to... to how they did this. This is one of the parts that I really hate because it was flashy and, you know, they had all the really cool, you know, dance music, um, staying alive. I really, really love that. Yeah. But it, it served really no purpose other than to point out who Wade really is in the real world to Iowa. Uh, to set up the plot, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. that basically it. Let's move on to the next one. Number six. Number six. The gray blob. It's a big gray blob. Uh, yeah, the the gray blob from uh, from from the blob, right? Uh, yes, yes. The yes. original black and white the blob. <laughs> oh Lordy Lou. Sorry, we can't see the screen on the side. We do this professionally. Yeah, it is. It's Duke Nukem. Thank you. Yeah, you can probably barely see it on there too. It's really dark in the movie, but there's a character Duke Nukem who was a video game character in the '90s. And uh, he's shooting a gun at, at H, one of the main characters, as they kind of introduce the, the battle uh, areas. Where Planet Doom. Planet Doom, yeah. And um, Duke Nukem is, is a character, uh, video game character, that's a ripoff of a lot of Kurt Russell characters and one-liners from other movies. It's quintessential 80s action guy. Yeah. Right. Alpha male. Alpha male. They don't, they don't have him speak. Shoot guns in the same one. Yeah, they yeah. don't think he can have a speaking Yeah. That's so. probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, right. He's kind of flexing. He doesn't have PG-13 for this one. But still, I mean, I, I, I like the Duke Nukem. That's kind of an obscure grab. You know, he, he does like one game every 10 years. He's like the uh, lunar eclipse or whatever. That's not even right, is it? No. No. Okay. <laughs> yep. Not even a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's uh, move on to the next one. Number five. 
set up for the race. This is uh, with a Ryu from Street Fighter. You see his back for a split second as they show the cars on there. And uh, there, there's a lot of Street Fighter references in, in the film. There's a Chun-Li, there's a Blanca at other points. He had Dukins at the end. Which one? He oh, he, he does he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he actually says it when he's fighting um, uh, Ben Mendelsohn at the end there. The right. That's right, the big yeah. battle. And um, with Street Fighter that you pick, uh, again, the characters don't really speak much except for the Hadouken thing, but you pick Ryu, you pick Blanka, you kind of pick like the original Street Fighter 2 characters. You're not picking ones from the newer games. And Wreck-It Ralph had uh, Street Fighter stuff too. It had Zangief. More obscure than and, any of them. And Bison, yeah, yeah. So deep cut. <laughs> sort of a deep cut. Um, let's go on to the next one. Number four. This is the one where it's a bunch of characters charging. So you have, like, He-Man. You have a Mogwai from Gremlins. You have the um, you have the, a version of the Joker with, like, a hat on there. Yeah, but legislatively, the Gremlins were put in by the VFX team. Uh, without Silver knowing. <laughs> oh! Until he saw it and edited the film, he didn't know that that was going to be in there. Oh, so they just the slipped. Surprise, swing, and then get an Easter egg in for him. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. Is, it, is this the one with uh, Joust as well? That's coming up. That's, that's coming up. That's right. another one. Spoilers. But yeah. But I think, I think what's, what's neat in the movie is for that final assault, you have all these cameos come up that these shots are like not even a second long. And even if you pause and try to go through it, it's so blurry. I mean, this was like the best picture I could get, and it's still kind of smeary. You can't quite tell what, what everything is. And, uh, but still, that they did that is, is neat. But it, it reminds me of, I, I made the reference earlier to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is kind of similar, except about cartoons. And you don't really get a scene where there's 30 characters running around until the end where there's like a wide shot. Yeah. And this one is constant. The uh, Ready Player One is constantly cramming in video game characters so much all the time that I think it loses the, the specialness of like, oh wow, there's like 50 people in this scene instead of just you know like Donald Duck uh, being drunk on the piano or whatever. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, it's not just video game stuff. There's, mm-hmm. there's movie reference stuff too. There's a character that's an avatar that's walking around. It's John Bender from uh, uh, Breakfast Club. Yep, and there's a... It's like a half second to catch that. There's like a, someone dressed up as Beetlejuice at one point in the film, too. Yeah, that was not the speed line, so... I, I almost <laughs> wish there was, they pushed it more and it was literally everything, rather than... Well, I, I, almost, they still have quite almost, a lot. I mean, all the rights they have to clear? Uh, well, yeah, but... Uh, what I'm getting at, though, is like... If literally everything in these battle shots were, were was a reference, and there wasn't just like a generic, there's some dudes in the back and a monster and and this, uh, it would feel a little bit more joyful looking for it because it'd be a lot richer. Whereas, you know, you've got four or five in here, and you've got three hundred references in the movie. I mean, uh, it it still feels a little half baked, I guess. Well, in the book, the references are quite different, too. There's a lot of more references to music. They talk about Rush for, I think, 30 pages. Well, even in the movie, too, they did a lot of costuming. So they would have, like, the neighbor lady in the stacks. At the beginning of the film, she's wearing the synchronicity shirt from the police. And then at the end, she's wearing a shirt from uh, New Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, from their album cover. Uh, and so, and of course, Paige is wearing the 2112 Rush shirt. So, I mean, they, they were able to fit in quite a bit, I think, musically with the posters and, you know, character. I think the, the 
soundtrack for the movie was really fantastic. So. Yep, and the jump by Van Halen. Lots of nostalgia. Lots of nostalgia, yeah. Well, you even have a, the, the um, composer uh, of this film, Alan Silvestri, is the same one that did Back to the Future. And when they have these Omegas Cube thing, they do the Back to the Future music sting. Yeah, lots of music A lot of little things, yeah. So that's something that's fun about rewatching everything. Um, let's give away another prize. And uh, the question is going to be something, I guess, that's not really trivia, but just sort of open-ended to make it a fair playing field. Let's see, uh, what is, uh, out of all the, the references in Ready Player One, the movie, which is your favorite? Uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit, oh, I don't wow. think I, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good one. Is that in the race? Is that in the race, the car? Yeah, it's also the car that uh, Shadow drives. Hmm, oh, wow. right. So, so for like that half second, you see the car flames, you can yeah. barely make out the hood. Nice. It would have been nice to see like a CG Buford P. T. Justice. <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah, get, get your prize. So this prize is a. Um, I came out with a book uh, just like a few weeks ago. So it's my book and it's signed. Awesome. It is the films of Uwe Boll, Volume One, the video game movies. So enjoy. Oh, it's signed too. It's signed. I signed it. Yeah. So I could sell it on eBay. Or you can sell it on eBay. There's already some people reselling it on Amazon. So. Oh wow. <laughs> Great. Enjoy. You're welcome. Uh, let's go on to the next one. Number three. Number three. This is, it might be one of my favorite references, a big wide shot, a lot of stuff in here. But what I like is in the foreground, you have the Battletoads. Anyone here know what the Battletoads is? That's more than I would have thought. Okay. Do you know the names of the Battletoads is a, is a question as well. Oh. Aaron. Yep, Zit, oh, Zitz, Zitz Pimple, and Rash. Yeah, Battletoads was a Nintendo game that like no one could get past level three or something. Like it was extremely hard, yeah. even for a Nintendo yes. game. And uh, it's become kind of a, a meme over the years, right? Didn't you work at GameStop, Tony, and people would call? Yeah, yeah. And, and what would they say? That happened. My wife worked at a, at a comic store, and people would ask, come in and ask. That. <laughs> come and ask about Battletoads. Yeah, they didn't sell wow. video games, and they'd be like, "You have Battletoads?" Like, oh, okay, all right. Very good. Uh, so, I mean, some of the other things in this wide shot, you have uh, like the ostriches from Joust, which is kind of neat to see done in a realistic style. The one reference that they made to Joust, which had a bigger part in the book. Yeah, I think in the, in the right in the book wasn't one of the challenges. He goes in an ostrich from Joust and tries to knock off the other person. Correct. That was part of the. And, and they might even have Joust to play as one of the arcade games uh, in the exhibitors hall. They do. Yeah, they do. They do have Joust. Yeah, okay. And what is that? Um, at Ground Control, they have a version of Joust that's like ten player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Killer Queen. That was a lot of fun. Has anyone here played Killer Queen? Oh, one person. So it's like a five versus five, like multiplayer competitive thing. And I think they're doing a version for home systems. Uh, just came out. Just came out Did it? Just came out. Oh, okay, great. So that one is fun if you enjoy Joust. Uh, on to the next one. Number two. Number two. Ah, uh, yeah, this is from early in the movie, and you have a reference that's pretty old to uh, Marvin the Martian, a Looney Tunes character, who was in the, the Duck Dodgers in the 25th and a half century, or whatever it's called. And then you see Robocop's butt on the other side of the uh, screen there. 
Again, a character from an R-rated movie in a PG-13 film, there's nothing saying that you can't do that, but it just is kind of strange in that he can't do RoboCop things. I mean, you also have Chucky, right? And all of those are R-rated movies, pretty violent. And Chucky curses a lot. Oh, it has the one F word. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the one, it's the PG-13 F-bomb you get. And I'm not sure... Right, and I, I'm not a prude, but I'm not sure that it was really needed for this movie. It, it seems to say, sort of stick out like a sore thumb. I, I love. I just watched all of those movies, and I the child's play. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of love them, and I was like, he just stabs people. He doesn't quip at all. Come on, how much does Brad Dourif cost? Yeah, they just use I, I think audio of him grunting from one of the movies. They yeah. yeah, he should have had a bad joke as he jumped on the guy. Or scream. He does that scream too. Oh, his voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good old child's play. On to the next one. Number one, and then after we finish with number one, we're going to give away prizes and then do a Q&A and people in the audience can ask questions and talk about whatever Ready Player One adjacent things they like to. Number one is one of my favorites. This is a split second. You see some of the uh, Sanrio Hello Kitty characters, like Crow 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 Bee, Hello Kitty, and I don't know the name of that third one. What? Oh, okay. Heaven forbid. Uh, but yes, so I mean, that, that you have the... Hev- yeah, that, that you have the Hello Kitty characters on there I thought was amusing, something pretty obscure. And uh, not much more to say about Hello Kitty. They don't talk. They don't do anything. It's something a lot of people don't catch this one in the theater. You think, yeah, just to, just to flash them on the screen. How about that? Well, let me give away the last prize, and then we'll do a Q&A with the audience. The question is going to be another difficult one, like I've been doing this whole time. So, uh, what is, in, in the spirit of Ready Player One, what is your favorite video game movie? Yes, sir. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat. Yeah. All right. Come up here. Get your prize. This is a, uh, a book. Ready Player One, the novel. Have you read this before? No, so this is perfect. Yeah. So it says, now a major motion picture directed by Steven Spielberg. I don't know why the cover shows him, like, in the stacks. That's not very exciting. It's just like a... It's a it's long leg. Oh, that's right. Yeah, look how long his leg is. His leg takes up, like, half the book cover. So Bad Photoshop, but enjoy. And uh, with, uh, with Ready Player One... If you could just do one more slide, it just says questions. So with that shot from the movie. Um, we, we were mentioning there was one line of di- two lines of dialogue that really bother us in this movie. Uh, <laughs> well, two of many. So, um, Eric, do you want to do one? No, go ahead. Okay. It, it is my panel, so I should, I should know these things. Uh, one is the, the main character, his aunt gets killed... And then when he's confronting the bad guy about it, he says, you killed my mom's sister, which is a very... Why doesn't he just say, you killed my aunt? My mom's sister is such a mouthful. I think it's the way... I think it's the way... The way he says it? Yeah. Because we watched it again last night, and I was just like, this is really bad. Wait, you killed my aunt feels awkward, too, doesn't it? Like, that's... I mean, what would be better if he said, oh no, my aunt? And I, that, 
<laughs> you have to do it. It's just, like, it's like, it's just weird. Just roll off just very awkwardly. Yeah. And I think it's the delivery. I don't think necessarily so much the words, it's the delivery in that moment. The other is, I can never quote this line correctly, but it's about like a, a, fan, a gamer who knows a hater. What is, how does that one go? It was like, yeah, a, fan, a fanboy can pick out a hater, and it's just sort of lame. Yeah, he's talking to the boss guy who has that lovely password. Um, all right, so yeah, um, all right. Let's take some questions from the audience. They don't have to be about a Ready Player One. They can just be about general video game or movie stuff. But if they're about the movie, all the better. Anyone have any questions? Oh, great question. So he was asking, that, do you feel like there's any references that should have been in the movie? Um, I think God, there's just so many things they, they could have done. Um, the one thing I thought was a little surprising is in the, the movie, one thing that is like the book is at the end you have them playing the adventure game and figuring out the Easter egg. But you could have maybe done, uh, if I was doing it, doing maybe more of like the eight... Bit uh, imagery of the video games having pixelated graphics walk around there, mm-hmm. I think could have been interesting because everything looked so polished that it um, it could make it look flat. I think maybe more different art styles of the characters walking around. I, I said that actually while we were watching it, I was like, video games are such a a wide palette of different different styles and fidelities, and everything in the movie looks exactly the same as everything else. And there's also the uh, everything's brightly lit grays and browns and, and some greens and blues thrown in there. But uh, in terms of uh, games uh, to reference, I mean, did we throw any Nintendo no, properties? You're right, yeah. So no, no Mario, no... Is Sonic yeah. is in there? No. Is he for a second? Oh, he is. Yeah. So I mean, the only time you'll hear me say this. Could he use more Sonic? <laughs> I mean, so I think, like, part of the lesson here, too, is that Disney is willing to pay more money than, uh, than Warner Brothers. Because Disney, you had Bowser in the Wreck-It Ralph movies um, and so forth, and you had Q-Bert. And, I mean, Q-Bert would have been cool in this movie. Yeah. I, would, I would like Q-Bert. Can I have one myself? Yes. Uh, from, from the movie, they had the, uh, the moment where um, they turned into uh, Gundam during the battle using the... Uh, yes. Uh, I really like it because I um, but in the book, Wayne fights the Mega Godzilla with Sorota, um, and he's dressed as Ultraman, which is like mm. one of my favorite uh, Japanese shows. And I would have loved to have seen that uh, be, be portrayed on the screen. I think they did a disservice not doing that. And there were some other things um, when they traveled to um, uh, the Tyrell Corporation from Blade Runner, uh, trying to find a game for the third key. Um, I think that would be cool. I mean, they had a lot of other really cool uh, old school deep cuts like Zork uh, from the PC, uh, Black Tiger, um, yeah. uh, the Jousting we were talking about, uh, Wayne had to defeat the Lich King from the D&D during Jousting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, I mean, that would have been uh, kind of interesting. But yeah. Good question. Um, all right, how about anyone else? Over there. Uh, 
Rage quit. Rage quit. Rage quit. That's a good question. So that's when you're playing a video game and get so mad you oh. throw the controller. Yeah. Back in the day, in Halo 2. <laughs> like, probably yeah. <laughs> uh, I played Neo a couple of years ago. I think they came out in 2016. The samurai kind of Dark Soulsy thing. And they make you fight a, fight a bunch of the bosses at the end, like right when you're ready to fight the final guy, and they've been chasing the whole game. And I was like, you know what? I did this already. I'm done. I'm done doing this. And was, was pretty salty about it. The one that got me upset was I was maybe in second grade playing Bionic Commando on the Nintendo, and there's a level near the end where your guy swings uh, with his metal arm and goes whoop whoop whoop, and you got to do it like ten times in a row to perfectly over this pit of spikes to get to this thing at the end. And that took me forever. I don't think the game has, maybe the game has passwords. I don't quite remember about that part, but it took like a whole summer for me to beat that game. And I tried uh, playing it when they re-released Bionic Commando on Xbox 360, and I couldn't even get past level two. I'm like, oh, this is still a pretty hard game. I don't know how I beat this when I was like in second grade, but when you have more time to play video games, you're better at them, surprisingly. <laughs> I think for myself, so just as a, how to say it, trying to think of the word, confession, I like to play really, really bad games. So I play all <laughs> the licensed games from movies, TV shows, oh. pretty much anything and everything. The one that jumps out to me, that was like a, a rage moment, was probably Jumper, the video game. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's based on the movie with Hayden Christensen and Samuel L. Jackson? By Doug Lyman. Yeah. yeah. And what, 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 what about the game made you so frustrated? Oh, it's just poorly designed. Oh, it's just really bad? Yeah, yeah. yeah just okay. really, really bad. The, the mechanic of using uh, his power, his teleportation power, there were like all these different achievements for like grabbing a guy at this level and dropping him like in the Arctic to get like a different death scene. And you had to like pull off these impossible like little combinations. So, but yeah, no, I punish myself when I play video games. I have all of the achievements in both Saw games, so that tells you something. What game? Saw. Saw. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We can talk about that for a second. I mean, that's pretty unusual. You don't see games. You don't see games based on movies that much anymore. But that they did two based on like Saw, which is one of the more violent movies ever, and they told an original story that was canon in a game with four <laughs> controls, where you're trying to solve either puzzles or uh, get attacked by hobos in a maze or something. It was like a... a, a rip-offs. Yeah. Basically. Well, they were like Silent Hill rip-offs, where you're like trying to yeah. get through. They've got consequences, A and B story, basically. Do one thing here, or not do this. So, that sounds bad. Yeah. A lot of those are like quick-time event games. So, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have any uh, people that want to ask some questions? Yes, sir. Well, we know that game sounds really bad, but do you consider Wreck Ralph as the Holy Grail of video game movies? Good question. So you're asking if the Wreck Ralph is the Holy Grail of video game movies. Um, the first one, I think, is pretty darn good. Uh, the second one, I wasn't as crazy about, but it, it's, uh, I think it does a better job at doing the same kind of concept as Ready Player One in yeah. some ways. I don't think it's the best as video games and references, like, mm -hmm. way better. Oh, yeah. 
Is it, yeah, is there a better? I, I can't think of one. Oh, I, full I, disclosure, I see. I've never seen Wreck It Ralph all the way through. That's really good. Yeah, it's yeah, very good. Yeah. I, I've seen it with the sound off, most of it with the sound off, but. Uh, yeah. You know, I, if I was to think of a movie I think is, is better than Wreck-It Ralph that's sort of video game or video game related, um, I really liked the first Silent Hill movie. I thought it looked a lot like the game. Some of the music had fog. It was kind of creepy. Uh, the story didn't make a lot of sense, but it didn't always make sense in the game either. So I, I think it seemed pretty faithful as far as that stuff goes. I mean, we've talked about it. In the, we, we did the Uwe Boll panel last year. Uh, I, I thought Far Cry was decent. Yeah. Uh, the Uwe Boll, Far Cry... That's that's a pretty fun movie, uh, but it's probably not a better movie than Wreck It Ralph. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Tony, do you have a thought? Tony. No, I think Wreck It Ralph. Ralph. Yeah, it's, a, it's just gold standard. Yeah. And all right, well, very good. Let me think. Uh, I think we had one more person with a question over here. asking what our gamer scores are. We were close for a while, and then I switched to PC. Wow, so this is gamer score on the Xbox, where it adds up the points after you play games and stuff. I think mine, and it's mainly because my wife plays it more than I do, it might be like 12,000, it's not, not that much. Thanks for explaining what it is, because I'm going to get, uh, you know, executed after this for not knowing what a gamer score is. Well, now you know. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently uh, 230,015 points. Wow. So, High number is good, right? It's not a call. Yeah. Okay. Yes. High number is good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, very good. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed this panel we did on Ready Player One movie references. Um, you can check out our podcast, SequelCast2, at SequelCast2.com. Uh, anyone else have anything they want to plug? Uh, I, I'm on Twitter, at France and Sean. I'm on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Sean Christopher Franson. It's S-E-A-N, not Shane. Uh, I think that's it. I'm on Twitter, at Tomei. And I'm on Twitter, at LostCrime. Okay. I'm oh, on. I did think of something. Oh, what? Uh, I, I host uh, Geeks You Drink Trivia at Breakside Brewery Monday nights at 7 p.m. So if you want to see me host trivia, good. Uh, we have a lot of fun there. Cool. Okay, so uh, and this is Matt with the sequel cast 2. Thank you so much for coming to this live panel, Ready Player One.